If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. When I first saw the NGSS, there were a lot of things that scared me. When I read them, a lot of the things seemed impossible. But nothing seemed more terrifying than letting students create their own investigations. At the time, I was teaching chemistry, biology, and seventh grade life science. My chemistry students were by far the most responsible group. And when I thought about them designing their investigations, I pictured fire alarms and explosions. So thinking about my seventh graders designing their own investigations seemed unimaginable. So if you're like me in those early stages, you didn't use these student-driven investigations and you stuck with those recipe-style labs. Today, I'm going to discuss the three main reasons that teachers are afraid of ditching those recipe-style labs, and I'm going to give you some practical solutions. If you like what you hear on today's episode, you might also be interested in an upcoming course that I'm launching My student-driven investigations course is opening on June 6th. This course will give you everything you need to make it possible for students to drive the investigations in your classroom. Space will be very limited for this initial offering, and the cart will only be open for five days. So if you want to make sure that you get a spot, sign up for the waitlist right now. Pause this episode and go to sadlerscience.com slash investigate. That's sadlerscience.com slash investigate. So first, let's define recipe-style labs. Recipe-style labs are the labs that we're probably most familiar with. These are typically handouts that students fill in, and they follow a step-by-step procedure. By following this procedure, students get a desired result, and it gives us as teachers a lot of control over what is happening in the lab. It gives us a predictable outcome. It helps us to manage behavior. It does a lot of things for us that are beneficial. So what's wrong with these recipe style labs? They may still have a place in your classroom, but ultimately we want students to plan and carry out their own investigations. We want them to fully understand the experimental design process and giving them a lab where the procedure is already set doesn't help them understand this. From what I've seen, there are three major reasons that teachers are really afraid to let students investigate. The first one I've already alluded to. And I should tell you that I'm a pretty anxious person. So my brain always goes to like worst case scenario with explosions and everything that could potentially go wrong, going wrong. So your brain might not go to this like doomsday scenario, but 
you probably are afraid of letting things get out of control. Like I said before, these recipe style labs give us a lot of control in our classroom. Often, teachers imagine that student-driven investigations are free for all. We know that making sure that students know the procedure and what's expected is part of running a well-managed classroom. So it's not unreasonable to think that without a well-defined procedure, that there'll be some sort of chaos. But you can really take these ideas and principles that work in managing your classroom and apply them to a more student-driven environment. It's important that you set clear boundaries and expectations for your students and think about the things that you would do in a normal lab style situation. So before you allow students to work, you're going to do things like discuss your expectations and talk about how they can move around the classroom and where they can get materials and all of those things that you already do. You'll talk about safety, and it's also important to talk about what materials are available. So I think for some reason I thought that my like materials room would just be open to students and they would just go grab what they needed, but that doesn't work very well. So think about what materials they'll need access to and provide them access with the, to those materials, but don't give them access to everything. And that's especially true when you're just getting started in the beginning of the year. When students learn your expectations really well and they learn how to use the equipment, you can give them more open access, but you want to start out slowly. I also like to give students um, kind of a blank page that has a space for procedures and a place for my signature at the bottom. So they have to write out the procedure and I have to sign off on it before they're allowed to grab equipment and that signature kind of beca becomes their ticket to the materials. Um, I like doing that for a couple of reasons. The first one is that it allows me to help them clarify the procedure. So a lot of times they'll leave out um, like the the measurement for the type of materials that they're using so they'll say like use a graduated cylinder but they won't specify um like what size graduated cylinder they're using they won't specify the amount of liquid that they're using and stuff like that so by going over that with them i can help them kind of narrow that that down and get really clear on their procedure this also helps place me in the role of the facilitator so that I can ask them questions if they're way off base and kind of point them in the right direction. And then finally, if we are doing something over the course of a couple of days, I don't have to remember who I already like gave permission to go and grab materials to. Um, so this is their ticket and they can use it every day to go and grab their materials and I don't have to keep track. The next reason that you might feel afraid of letting your students investigate is because your students lack lab skills. So this is kind of a universal problem because science is often de-emphasized, especially in the elementary grade levels. So often when students come into your classroom, they've never touched a graduated cylinder or a beaker before, so they don't know what to do. The solution to this problem is scaffolding and making mistakes part of the learning process. You can't control what happens outside of your classroom. You can't control the skills that students come in with, but you can make sure that students leave with stronger skills than when they entered your classroom. To figure out what scaffolding might look like for your class, it's a good idea to take a look at the NSTA matrix for the science and engineering practices. This document provides a progression across grade levels, so you can scaffold the practices 
by looking at the grade band before the grade band that you're in. Um, sometimes in some cases, especially if you're a high school teacher, you may have to go back to grade bands. So mistakes are going to happen. Students aren't going to be perfect at doing these things, especially when they've had very little practice before. So it's important that students are getting regular feedback so that they're learning from these mistakes. But that can create a lot of work for you. So whenever possible, try to design this in a way that alleviates some of that pressure from you. So for example, one of the skills that I noticed that my students lack is taking accurate measurements. So I make sure that students have a way to share their data with the entire class. Sometimes I put a table on my whiteboard or I create a Google Sheet and I have students enter their data into the form. And then at the end of class, I ask students to review their data as a class. When we look at the data as a whole, we can really see what data doesn't make sense. Now, when students are designing their own investigations, some of the data is going to be pretty different, but the trends will be the same. So, for example, if you're looking at the way that mass affects velocity, there will be a trend in the data. If there's data that doesn't match that trend, then the students will notice and they can start, start asking questions about why that happened and figure out what went wrong with their procedure. But I also want to point out that you don't have to ditch your recipe style labs all at once. You can start the year by using them and compare data in order to really hone in on those measurement skills and make sure that students are really getting good at those. And then slowly over time, pull that away. I think a lot of times when we are making these shifts in our classroom, we really feel like it has to be an all or nothing thing. And I think like NGSS perfection can kind of get in the way of making progress. So don't feel like it has to be something that you do overnight and you can make this shift really gradually and it might be better for your students and it will probably feel a little bit better for you as well. So this brings me to probably the biggest reason that teachers are afraid of student-driven investigations, and that's time. We never have enough time in our classroom. We never have enough time in our classroom. I don't know about you, but I feel like my students are entering behind, and I have so much to catch up on, and it just doesn't feel like there are enough minutes in my class period to make this happen. But there's a couple of things that I want you to think about. The first is that if we don't help our students with these skills, when they move into the next grade level, they're going to be even further behind. So it's really important that we take time to help students develop these skills and push them in the right direction. The second thing is that this is a really, really great use of your time because the learning really sticks when students are driving the investigations. Students learn more, they understand better. It's a much better quality of learning when students are doing more on their own. But also, I think a lot of the things that we do in a traditional classroom setting are not a good use of our time. And I'm going to mention a few things, but what they all have in common is that they're teaching students things out of context. So the first thing is front-loading vocabulary. That's a huge waste of time. Students 
don't really understand how to use vocabulary when we do it that way. Um, if you are interested in learning more, I will put a link to the episode where Nicole talks about vocabulary in the show notes, but it's, um, I believe, episode 10. The second thing that we tend to do that's a big time waster is that we teach the scientific method at the beginning of the school year, or if you've kind of updated that procedure, maybe you're teaching all of the science and engineering practices at once in the beginning of the school year. And that doesn't really work because again, this there's no context to it, so it doesn't stick. And then one of the most common things that I think we really started doing again this year that more and more teachers were moving away from, but then COVID happens, kind of shifted back, and that is providing students with an explanation to just kind of get it done so that they have some sort of background knowledge before they leave our class. And this seems to kind of tend to be more like a lecture style approach where we just say, okay, you need to know this stuff. So I'm just going to tell you so that we can kind of skip ahead. The problem is that when we are trying to force all of that information into our student students' heads, it doesn't really stick very well and it's not a good use of time. And you'll hear us say this over and over again on the podcast, but context is so incredibly important. It provides student with, students with background information. It helps them understand why they're learning this stuff. It gives them some sort of application. And if they aren't getting that, then it seems kind of pointless. It just seems like, like they're just learning stuff for the sake of learning it. And that's not the kind of approach that we want to take in our classroom. So I'm going to continue talking about this topic a little bit more next week. I'm going to be talking about how you can incorporate the practice of planning and carrying out investigations with limited time and how you don't have to like have a dedicated lab day in order to be using this practice in your classroom. But again, if you are interested in learning more on this topic, get on that wait list for the student driven investigations course. Again, you can sign up at sadlerscience.com slash investigations. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would love it so much if you could rate and review because that helps other teachers find us. And finally, you can find us on Instagram at teaching science underscore in 3D. And we would love to hear from you. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.